0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Friday Formula. Thanks for joining us once again as we prepare to line up behind the safety car for our formation lap through the world of motorsport. I'm Owen and once again I'm joined by Will Longman. How are you doing this week, Will?
1: Not too bad. What was that? We're behind... (laughs) we lined up behind the safety car of what?
0: We've lined up behind the safety car for our formation lap through the world of motorsport. (laughs) I love it
1: i just can't imagine like where does that put us in the metaphor are we warming up is that what we're gonna do Uh, we're never quite gonna hit full speed
0: yeah i guess we're sort of getting our bearings seeing the lay of the land preparing for life ahead that's a great that's a great intro to this podcast we're not we're
1: getting our bearings we're just getting there
0: exactly exactly so we've so far tackled predictions for the year ahead the outcome of testing and this week we're going to be discussing our dream driver lineups
1: which has been difficult because we set ourselves some quite strict criteria
0: so should we do criteria first and then discuss why it was tricky yeah go on then. yeah so we set out to pick three drivers so we would have a number one driver a second driver and a reserve driver your number one or lead driver could be anyone so they can have won as many races as you won, as many world championships as you won, have scored as few points as you wanted. Just they could be anyone that has entered a Formula One race. The, the number two driver has to have won no more than five races. So five or fewer. And then your reserve driver cannot have won an, a Formula One race, which made narrowing it down quite hard because most of the drivers I wanted to pick had all won at least six races, which was annoying.
1: It was tough. I had to do a little bit more research than I was expecting and I normally don't do lots of research.
0: (laughs) What kind of research were you doing?
1: Well I knew I wanted to pick someone who had won a race because you need some race winning pedigree right? Yeah. So I found a list of you know all Formula 1 drivers that have won a race and you go all the way down to the bottom and look at you know the number of drivers that have won less than 5 or less than 6 and there aren't loads i'm intrigued to see what we both come out with there are a couple that you kind of you pick out and you think right i'll look a little bit more into them
0: yeah so i i did a similar thing i started by listing all the drivers that i knew i liked and then realized that they'd all won about nine or ten races so then broadened it a bit and did the same thing ended up looking down the list and it's kind of i've only been really following the sport like not religiously but actually actively following it since probably 2008 and a lot of the drivers that have been winning in that period have won lots Yeah. so they're sort of 15 and above races which then puts them in the mix for my number one driver but i kind of already picked who that was going to be and then it was a lot trickier picking the second and the reserve driver than i thought it was going to be
1: yeah that reserve driver as well because obviously we're picking a, a good driver but someone that's not good enough Do you want to start with those reserves and build up, or do you want to start with our number ones?
0: Yeah, should we start reserves? So, William, who have you picked as your reserve driver?
1: I think mine is a little bit predictable, but for the role of reserve driver, I think you can't pick anyone else. I mean, I'm sure you will do. Nico Hülkenberg. Excellent shout. He was on my long list.
0: It was a very long list. My long list was only three, four drivers, actually. Three that didn't make the cut.
1: I went straight for straight for Nico and it's solely because of his performances last season. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily how strong they were. You know, his first was in at Silverstone at the British Grand Prix. No one expected him to do well at all because he came in the first session he had was qualifying. So yeah, obviously he was like five seconds off the pace. Fine, whatever. Disappointing that his car didn't make the grid. I would have loved to see what one of those racing points could do from the back and actually get kind of overtaking some of those back markers you know the ferraris and what have you but then the following week you know he's been out of an f1 car for so long and they're at race like four or five by then everyone else they've been training and keeping keeping their heads in the game he hadn't necessarily and he goes and pulls out third in qualifying that is, is outrageous
0: it was it was bonkers to see and yeah like you say it had been sort of eight months or so since he'd last been in an f1 car so just getting used to those forces again must have been intense
1: it was the second best racing point qualifying performance apart from lance strolls pole stroll on pole it was outrageous he had no right to do that max was disappointed that he didn't get pole in turkey and that lance got it for him i can't imagine how he was feeling when Nico hulkenberg out him at the 70th anniversary grand prix and then Nico came back at the Eiffel Grand Prix and that was more amazing because he was subbing for Lance there who had COVID and came in on the day of qualifying again with like two hours practice and yeah, he was two tenths behind Kimi Raikkonen. Came in last, but that's still insane. And then he had a pretty decent race. I think he made it uh, up to the points, didn't he? He made it up to eighth from, from last on the grid. That is pretty insane for... For someone that was eating pastries on his sofa the day before, like, that morning. So for the role of substitute driver, reserve driver, I know he's not got the podiums under his belt, let alone the wins. I think he—he he, that's why he gets my vote.
0: But why does he get such a solid vote as reserve driver, but you wouldn't want to put him as your main driver?
1: Because he doesn't have the stats in his career, to warrant being in my top two, okay. like solely picking him as someone you want as a reserve, someone who's ready to be called upon, can perform at very little notice. That's the role that we're putting here. That's that's why I picked
0: him. Very very solid choice. He was on my long list for this okay. reserve driver role as well for similar reasons. And everyone almost expected him to come in for a fourth race last year as well, uh, when uh, Lewis was off, and people thought he might be able to hop back in then. Which would have been pretty incredible to see as well. But he did not make
1: the final choice. The thing is, we know now that if he had stepped in for Lewis, he wouldn't have got a podium. <laughs> that seat was just cursed, that race. Yeah, <laughs> it
0: would have been another heartbreak. Go on then, who have, who have you got? So I have gone for 2013 Toro Rosso driver, Jean-Éric Verne.
1: Ooh, brilliant
0: shout. So... John Eric Verne, otherwise known as Jeff, he had three seasons with Toro Rosso between 2012, 2013, and 2014. They weren't particularly illuminating seasons. His highest finish was sixth, I believe, which he got a few times, um, and he was kind of outshone at the time by his teammates, Daniel Ricciardo and then Dani Kvyat. But in the years since, he's just, grown and grown as a driver and is now doing extremely well in Formula E. Uh, He finished third in the championship last year. He's got seven race wins under his belt. And with the team he's in at the moment, the Tech Cheetah team, he looks sure to have even more race wins this year. So I'm stealing his Formula E race winning pedigree and having (laughs) it just in my back pocket in case one of my other drivers is sick and has to take a day off. He was the
1: first double champion, wasn't he, of Formula E?
0: Yes, I believe so. Uh,
1: and then Antonio Felix da Costa, who I think has the best name in motorsport. Oh, there's so many good names in Formula E. I really like Neil Jani. If we were just doing, like, reserve drive based on names, I, I think I'd take him. <laughs> yeah, he's proved to dominate Formula E as much as anyone can dominate it. And oh, we both love Formula E. We both watch it. We like the action. But how do you think, Jeff would... Fit in to the current grid. If he took, let's say, Yuki Tsunoda's seat.
0: Oh yeah, that's a point. Are we picking which team we're populating with our drivers? No, this is the Bellwood F One team and the Scuderia Longman. Okay, the Bellwood F One team is red and green. That's our colour scheme. How how do I think he would fit in? I'm not sure. I'm sure there would be a bit of not awkwardness, but it'd probably be a strange sight because he has. Built his name around Formula E now rather than F1 similar to how Mercedes have Stoffel van Dorn as their reserve driver now he obviously had his time in Formula 1 but he's now he's now a Formula E driver and that's what he's known for so I think that probably would be a bit of a strange look but from a purely selfish perspective I'm fine with it because it means I've got a race winner in my team
1: not as in like how he'd fit in
0: but where do you think he'd,
1: where, where, where would his oh, results
0: be where would he come
1: like, I know he's a stylish guy. He's going to fit He's gonna fit in right. <laughs> Who doesn't get on with Jev? But <laughs> how would he perform against someone like Pierre Casley?
0: Well, he's clearly a very competitive driver and does go for some really tight moves and pulls off some pretty exciting races uh, in a series like Formula E, where there is plenty of overtaking opportunities and lots of chance to get wheel to wheel. So I, I like to think he wouldn't be ashamed to try and do the same thing in Formula 1 there'd maybe be like a little bit of hesitancy at first, which I guess is a risk for a reserve driver if they're going to be a bit bit cautious to begin with. But I, I can see him finishing solidly in the points sort of around that kind of a similar place to where you expect someone like Pierre to finish on the regular decent level of points. And just that's what you need. I need someone that's going to be able to score a few decent marks while my star driver is off competing in Le Mans or something.
1: I guess he's a safe, he is a safe pair of hands. He knows how to, to drive a car. Yeah, he's probably got more confidence now.
0: Yeah, I think the, the pressures of the Red Bull Junior programme, I don't think they were too kind to him and probably knocked his confidence quite a bit. But then when you see him now uh, in interviews and in races, he's standing tall. He's got that confidence about him. He's not afraid to pull off some risky moves and come home with the points and the podiums.
1: He does have a swagger, and it'll be it'll be interesting, because it will happen one day that a driver will make the shift, I think, from Formula E to Formula 1.
0: Yeah, because we've only seen it go the other way so far. Yeah,
1: Nick DeFries is an interesting one, because he was Formula 2 champion in 2019, and there were no seats for him in 2020, so the only place he could go was Formula E. Well, not the only place, but he, he felt like that was a place for him. He got to stick with the Mercedes name, which is cool, but will Mercedes ever say they get rid of Lewis and Valtteri next year? Would Nick de Vries enter that? Would Stoffel van Dorn, who's been Formula One reserve driver, is now performing in Formula E for Mercedes and has a chance to do that this season where they've got a pretty competitive car, would he enter the fray?
0: It's an interesting interesting thought, isn't it? Because obviously, the way I see Formula E, I th- really do think it is the future of motorsport with the way the world's going and the focus on sustainability and things it is it's a new series but it's exciting in new ways so things like the fan boost and the attack mode whereas you don't have pit stops and have the chance to overtake that you would there you get it on the track in a different way and i do think that as formula one changes looks to change things over the next five or ten years it maybe would be the case that someone with that knowledge of these other series that are attracting a new audience could come into F1 and try and spice things up a bit, but I don't know if I can see it in the short term. So who knows what is to come, but what definitely is to come is our number two drivers.
1: Well, you you can take the lead in this one, seeing as I gave my reserve driver first.
0: I think this was the hardest because there's... A lot of drivers. I think it was that five win limit. Yeah. So you really wanted to get someone that had
1: five wins. <laughs> and let's let's explain why we did that, because we thought if it was a free for all we were just gonna pick the same drivers probably, or that there's actually less people to choose from if we didn't have that limit because we were just gonna look at the top four drivers of all time and yeah. Pick two each, right?
0: Exactly. But my my first choice was initially Mark Webber because for some reason I just decided that he is the ultimate number two, but he has nine race wins under his belt. So it was too successful. So then I had to think of people that have been on the grid that I really like. And I was like, Carlos Sainz, I like his driving style. I think he's pretty good. Charles Leclerc, Nico Hülkenberg, Lance Stroll. But in the end, I have settled on Mexico's own Sergio Perez. Ah, uh. What an excellent shout. I think he is a very solid pair of hands to always be there, sweeping up the points. He's proven that he can get the the most out of any car through his time at Force India and Racing Point when they've been working with a really tight budget. And then now with his move to Red Bull, where I think they wouldn't admit it, but he is probably going to be a number two driver there. He's hopefully going to be able to perform on the same level as their star driver, Max and get really good qualifying results and then really good race results to hopefully help whatever team he's in win the Constructors' Championship, which is what I am aiming for. That's what Bellwood F1 is gunning for.
1: Did you pick him based on his 2020 form? Like, would you have picked him if we were having this conversation in March 2020?
0: Truthfully, probably not. Something I was thinking while I was writing the whole list was... I'd quite like to have all of my drivers in their, what we in March, 2021 performance levels, like the, the skill set that they're at now, that is exactly how I want them to join my team. Okay. So his performances last year did play a big part in me picking him. Uh, he had his, his first race win. He scored some excellent points throughout the year and he was having some really tidy racing throughout the, throughout the season. So I would definitely like him to bring that into my team. And that was for sure a big big part of why i picked him what about you though i take it Checo yeah. didn't appear on your short list
1: no so it was interesting when you said that you picked your drivers based on march 2021 performance because my pick for number two is heinz harold Frentzen. Ooh. So, How was he performing in March 2020? <laughs> I would like to not have that, please. <laughs> that is a, a requirement I would like uh, to forego. Yeah, it's a bit of a left field choice. And it's kind of born out of the, I feel, the necessity of kind of the challenge that we had of um, picking a driver less than five races. Heinz Frensen has only three Grand Prix victories in his career, but still managed... In his one two three four five six seven eight or nine formula one seasons to finish second in 1997 and then third in 1999 which with only three victories is pretty good Um, he finished second in 1997 obviously there's a caveat to that in that he finished third but Michael Schumacher was disqualified from the season for his crash but it doesn't matter he was still there Playing second fiddle to to Jacques Villeneuve, um, got his first race win in San Marino, uh, and then a string of five podiums in the road towards uh, the end of the season helped Williams in that season to uh, championship. They they won the constructors championship. Then did very well, but it's his 1999 season where he finished third with Jordan that I think is probably the most extraordinary. He shone in that season and it's because the kind of pressure was off. He'd gone from being with Williams where it was very much a, a system. It was it was one of the big teams in Formula 1 at the time to being with Jordan that was a bit happy-go-lucky, see what they can do. There were kind of no expectations. And in that season, there were all sorts of things that were thrown up. McLaren and Ferrari had numerous disasters. Michael Schumacher broke his leg at Silverstone, so he ruled himself out for much of the season. When he did, Ferrari kind of stopped development of the car for much of it. And there was a point in the season where people started to think, wow, maybe Jordan could actually go on and win the championship. The fact that he was even in with a shout is incredible. And it's because he just got in the car and drove it. But it's that season where he brought a bit of magic out. His average qualifying was fifth. So that was kind of best of the rest back then,
0: as you would say. So you want him at 1999 level?
1: Yeah, I want someone that is just going to get in, not think about it and just go for it. And I think that's what you want. If you were to look at the 2021 grid, that's what you want from a lot of your number two drivers. I think it's something that Yuki Sonoda has to come in and do. He has to just come in and, and drive the car. And that's why he's going to made those progressions, because he doesn't think about the pressure.
0: Yeah, I think that was something that I was kind of consciously trying to aim for with the number two driver. Someone that is going to be able to get the wins when they need them, but is also just not phased by being up against someone that could be seen as a star yeah so that's some great shots for number two shall we move on to our number one drivers we should
1: i think again i've gone a little bit left field i think we you probably are expecting either a hamilton or a schumacher or, or someone up there that's won a lot of titles i have gone for Nicky lauda
0: an excellent suggestion What was your reasoning for picking him over the aforementioned Schumacher?
1: So he has three world championships. He has 25 wins, 54 podiums, 24 pole positions. So he's, you know, incredible Formula One driver Uh, for the time. He was a legend. But for me, it's not just about his performances there. We're picking a leader of the team. And I think Nicky Lauda, when he was in Formula One, he was a bit of... He was a bit of an outcast. It was a time when James Hunt still had, you know, sex breakfast of champions on his on his overalls. It was a lifestyle thing. Nicky Lauda applied himself. He was very methodical. He was very much a racer and he applied himself at a level that hadn't really been seen before that. And in many ways that kind of shaped how Formula One drivers apply themselves now I think you can see a bit of a change Um, I'm not saying at all that this is why but Lewis Hamilton speaks about how Nicky was a key part in him joining the Mercedes team and the conversations they had and how after Lewis had a race he could have come second or third Nicky was always saying okay great what can we do next time to make sure you win and in a way that pushed Lewis to become the driver he is now and pushed everyone else to kind of try and challenge and apply themselves like Lewis Hamilton, he's the role model. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that probably is down to to Nicky Lauda and what he taught Lewis. I think on track, he was resilient, he was brave and he was a winner. Like he was a fantastic driver of the time. You want someone that's going to lead that team. I think he would be an excellent leader for Heinz, Harald and Nico. We can all speak German. So that'll be a thing too. And then afterwards, let's be honest, like we're planning a future with this team. Nicky lauda would be a great asset to have on your board mm-hmm. keep some some loyalty some team loyalty he's someone that you're going to want to have hang around as an associate and help you shape the future so i, I feel like i'm closing like a pitch like a sales deck uh but but that is why we should sign nikki lauda as our, as our number one driver
0: that is uh an excellent and very compelling argument for nikki lauda if i was to go for one of the historic iconic races, he would have been the one that I would have gone for for the same reasons you've said. He was the leader of the teams he went to and he helped turn them, turn them around and brought those victories to the teams. So I do think if you were to pick your dream number one, there's not many people that would be a better better choice. But I feel like you've probably gone for someone very different. Different in one way, but also slightly similar. Because I feel like it's the obvious choice, but there wasn't anyone. There were other people I considered, because like the the driver that got me into the sport was Jensen Button, and he's obviously been world champion. He's won fifteen or so races, so he sort of crossed my mind. And then Daniel Ricciardo is currently my favourite driver on the grid, nine wins under his belt, but not quite not quite number one material, I you know, in stream team. So then I was just thinking perfect driver lineup you want someone that like you said with Nicky Lauda is going to lead the team someone that's got the experience to be able to bring people together and I just thought it had to be one Sir Lewis Hamilton he just is probably the greatest Formula One driver of all time 95 wins under his belt seven world championships a host of other records that are just ridiculous to list off but um, he yeah was my choice for number one.
1: Did you think this was going to be a head-to-head battle between Hamilton and Schumacher?
0: Yeah, we did at first. (laughs) When we first said it, I thought it was going to be Hamilton and Schumacher. It's harder to
1: have that argument with Hamilton and Lauda, isn't it?
0: Yeah, but I think... I feel like there's more similarities between Hamilton and Lauda than there is Hamilton and Schumacher. One of the main things that I think has helped Lewis Hamilton's success is that he's a very clean methodical precise driver it was a bit bit of a um departure from his usual form last year how he ended up with a few extra penalty points from hitting Alex and things but usually he stays out of trouble he takes these clean lines he's not messing any other drivers around and doing dirty moves under braking and things he just is precise and extracts 100 percent out of his car and that's obviously what has helped make him statistically the greatest of all time and i do think like you said some of that has probably come from Nicky Lauder's way of analyzing all your performances and thinking yeah second's great but what's the missing ingredient so i quite like that we've picked them too yeah yeah no me too i think there's a nice um cohesion between them as well so my final picks reserve driver john eric verne second driver Sergio Perez, and then my lead driver was Lewis Hamilton. Pretty happy with those three. How do you feel about yours, well It's a
1: very good modern team. Mm. I like that. Mine is a bit of a mix. So I've got reserve driver Nico Hockenberg. Uh second driver Heinz Harald Frenson Uh who I'm thankful with doing this podcast means I can go back and watch some of his his great races and I'm gonna become his number one fan. And my uh, number one pick to lead my team was uh, Nicky Lauda. I'd be very interested if our four listeners and viewers uh, would let us know <laughs> who they think would win in a race. I, I don't know who would pick up the most points, mainly because I don't actually know enough about Heinz Howard-Francen to make that judgement, even though I picked him.
0: Well, he'd probably come second or third. You said he finished second and third a lot, so Lauda would be in first. franson would be second or third. So are you just admitting that my team would win? No, I take it back. So this has been a really interesting little thought exercise. Nice to consider some of the drivers uh, that we maybe wouldn't have talked about normally. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, And if you have your own dream driver lineup that you would like to let us know, uh, I can be found on Twitter at Owen underscore Bellwood. And Will, you can be found at I am uh, Will Longman. We just differ on the punctuation that we like, clearly. Exactly, dots and dashes. What's the difference, really? But thanks again for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And we will see you again next week. Cheers.